Today is a special day for John Beeching of Nelson. He's been quite busy already. As I said, got a visit from the Nelson Mayor, got a morning tea, been opening birthday cards. He turns 100 today. John was born in 1923, of course, and was raised in London and went on to serve in World War II as a Royal Air Force Bomber Command pilot. He joins us now. Hello there, John. Good afternoon. Excuse my raspy voice, but I've just about talked myself to a standstill over the last couple of days. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Happy birthday from us here at thank RNZ and from everyone yeah. in New Zealand listening today. Yes, thank you. I guess it's been looming large, your 100th birthday, for the last few years. I was there at my grandfather's 100th birthday a few years ago. It's a very, very special day, well, I'm sure, for your family and friends and for you as well. Well, I hope it doesn't happen too often, too wary. (laughs) Did you happen to hear from the king today? No, we had a talk to the king about four days ago. Did you? That must have been exciting. And the card from the Governor General. Yeah. And the card from our ex Prime Minister. And the card from the uh, Chief of Air Staff. So we've been fairly well inundated with good wishes from everybody. We've had 15 different cards over the last couple of days. So huh. we've been smiled upon by good fortune, yes. Yeah. Hey, tell us how you ended up moving to Nelson. I think you've been there since 1960. Yes. Because you've got all your clues from Yeah. <laughs> They're called producers, John. You should get one. They're very useful. Yeah. Yes, 1960, I came here as a weights and measures inspector. Yeah. For the Labor Department. And, and why Nelson? What was it about that city or town back then, I suppose, that appealed? Surely you don't need to ask that. Uh, <laughs> the sunshine? Yeah. <clears throat> sunshine and low wages, you know, we've got a reputation. <laughs> um, you, as I said, had a career in the Royal Air Force, um, particularly during World War Two. Do you have still have strong memories? I'm sure they're not all good memories, but do you have strong memories of very, that time? Very, very strong memories, Jesse, and they are mostly good. I think, I'm looking in retrospect, they were probably some of the happiest days of my life. Although oh. it sounds a bit weird to most people, I know. Do you have time to tell us about a few of those memories? You know what what you remember well, and what what stuck with you. It's a, it was a different world in those days, Jesse. I mean, we can't in no way can you assume what it was like because everything was different in those days. Yeah. You know, there was there was there's nothing. All this deal we've got today doesn't even exist. And for my money, for my money, the world was a happier place. Mm-hmm. Funny that, eh? Yeah, I reckon. What was your job in the war? I flew aeroplanes over Germany. What sort of plane? I was a, I was a night fighter pilot on an aeroplane called a Mosquito, which was mm. a wonderful aeroplane, all built of wood, with two lovely great big 1,500 horsepower engines. Each, each, each engine burnt one gallon of unlocked fuel a minute. So, yeah. You can imagine what they will cost today to run. Yeah. Where did the mosquitoes fit in to that aerial attack? Because you had the Lancasters as well, right? How did you all sort of work together? We escorted the Lancasters over on the big ways. That was our job. We were called a bomber support squadron. And our job was to keep the German night fighters off of our main bomber stream, which to some extent I think we did. 
not horribly big, it's lasted for still you know, almost don't forget. You felt like you made a difference? I'm sure you did. Well, we shut down over a thousand German planes altogether, a hundred groups. So, yes, we certainly did make a difference. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the plane that you were uh, flying, but but you were in command of quite a few planes. I understand. The which? You, you were you were in command of quite a few planes. I've got fifty-seven mosquito yeah, planes. Yeah, we have, we, have, we only had a crew of two. Huh. My nev- my gav- my navigator Fred, he died about four years ago in Canada. He, was, he uh, joined the Royal Canadian Mounted Police after the war. Yeah. And after he died, he was the uh, Pierre Trudeau's chauffeur for many years. Did you guys stay in touch over the years? The room? Did you stay in touch with your navigator over the years? Did you send each other? He was the Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau's chauffeur. Huh. And he was in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> You used to, in those mosquitoes, used to do something called spoof raids. What were those? Ah, spoof raids. Well, what <clears throat> what we did, we carried a couple of target indicators or bombs, and we went, we made the Germans think we were attacking one particular place, so we dropped a couple of bombs or markers on it, but the mainstream would turn off just before then, and that was the dumbfound the Germans, so they think we raid was going to be on the first place. But in actual fact, they sort of, put all their, their um, raid precaution things on that first uh, place and uh, they were dumbfounded, of course, because the whole of the mainstream will go somewhere else right. and plaster it and knock the daylights out of it, yeah. Because you'd have quite a big night, as I understand. It was quite a, you know, quite a busy... You'd what, sometimes do a couple of runs to Berlin in one night? A couple of runs? Yeah, in your How aircraft. You your aircraft, of, uh, you used to go to Berlin... What, drop a bomb? I never went to Berlin myself, no. Okay. Was... I'm re- reading someone else's chat then, obviously. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Herbert, was that your navigator? Yes, Fred Herbert. Fred yeah. George Herbert, yes. Okay. Well, I guess you two must have shared something that a lot of people won't understand. Some, um, obviously, uh, some brave times. Must have been some pretty scary times, some pretty hairy times. Did you feel like you came yes. close to death uh, from time to time? Yeah. We mind you, we had very, very good radar. It was almost as good as you got it today, except it wasn't solid state stuff. We had a, about half a ton of radio valves and goodness knows what, but it was we could pick up other aircraft twenty five miles away, so it was really, really good. So gosh. Um, it, it, it was, yes, it was some muscular advantage we had that good stuff. Oh. <clears throat> and we'd go a long way too, we we fly some England all the way across to Czechoslovakia and back, taking about six hours. Oh, my God. So we had long, long trips. Yeah. No automatic pilot. Were you afraid? Um, I think I was too stupid to be afraid, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you must have been, just doing some maths, you must have only been 20 years old. I was 21 when I was on a Gosh. Heck of a way to start your adulthood. That was about the, about the average wage of kids had in, in those days. <clears throat> it was a tragedy, actually, because there were 55,000 blokes killed on Bomber Command during the war. And you'd say the average wage of all of those was about between 21 and 24. Mm. That's a whole generation, eh? Yeah, terrible.
Um, did it? Uh, this might be a hard question to answer, but it, did, did it take a long time to recover from the war? When the war was over, to get your head around everything that you'd done and everything that you'd seen and experienced? It was a near impossibility. When I went back, after the war was finished, I was discharged from the Air Force. I went back to my old job. And after a few weeks, I just couldn't stand it. So I just gave it up and went back to Canada, where mm-hmm. I did my training. Yeah. And, and lived there for the next seven years. They didn't talk much about mental health in those days. No, no, no. There was uh, something that didn't exist. Like I said, life was so different in those days. Do you feel like you've had a good life, John? I had a very good life, a long and useful life. I don't regret a moment of it and uh, managed to survive, as you say, 100 years, which is a long time. Um so uh, there we are. Still it's an, here. Yeah, and it's and, my, and, my, only, my only thing is, you no, know, my legs are packed up. I can't walk anywhere. Oh yeah, which is a real, real, real tragedy. Uh huh. Frustrating. It is very frustrating because I'm good otherwise, or fairly good anyway. A lot of us might wonder when we turn 100 years old, looking back on our life, what was the most important thing. Um, what do we wish we'd spent the most time on? What are we most proud of? Do you have any thoughts like that, John? Um, what stands yeah, out in your life? My, I say my war years were my spookful years. I learned more about people and things in those days. And probably with all the lovely company we had with the blokes that I flew with, probably had some of the best times too. Really? And when I, when I sit down and think, they're probably the best times. Of my life, over my seventy years, yes. You're talking about the camaraderie and 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 getting close to people in pretty extreme circumstances. Yes, mm-hmm. marvelous. Yeah, it's marvelous. Anything you'd do differently? Would I? Yeah. Would I wish? Anything you'd do differently about your life, or any <clears throat> advice you'd give to people with the benefit of hindsight? I don't, I don't know what the different things might have been. I might have gone deep sea diving. <laughs> I've got no, no idea, Jesse. I, I don't know. Yeah. Probably best not to wish, spend much wish, time thinking about it. I wish I could think then like I can think now. That's the only, only wish. Oh, yeah. You, you notice that, do you? You notice your brain doesn't work quite as fast that, as you'd that, like it to? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you still I got wish. a job. You're at the Cawthron, the famous Cawthron <clears throat> Institute. Yes, I'm, just, I'm just, just giving that away now because I can't get around too much. But... Um, they, they asked me to stay on until my 100th birthday just to show for the record. So <laughs> we went there today and had this lovely morning tea with all the stuff chucked in. And um, that'll be about the end of my career with the course. And I was with, there, with them for 33 years. Gosh. I understand they called you Mr. Fix-It. That's it. That was me. Yeah. You, and how you, would you like you to... Bend, sp- you them, <laughs> them. How uh, how would you like to spend your next few years, John? Breathing in and breathing out. <laughs> well, you seem to have got pretty good at that. <laughs> Had yeah, plenty of practice. Yeah, yeah. Hundred years of practice. Yes. yes, I don't think the old lungs and heart are quite as good as they used to be, but <laughs> they're still working. Still feel attached to the RSA, I understand. Yeah, I'm the patron there at the local RSA, but we don't 
we don't bother to go there now. It's out at Stoke, which is quite a long drive. Right. And um, and now with spring drive in progress, you can't. It's not worth going all that way. It's just a couple of glasses of beer. So I'm afraid we've been rather neglectful of our business to the RSA. But there we are. Time's changing totally. But how, how how do you tend to spend Anzac Day? Oh, like in the other days, fairly quietly. I read a lot these days, an awful lot. I love reading. Yeah, you were selling poppies for a while, the, though, the, eh? The Nelson Library is very, very good. They yes. deliver books to us, and um, they keep me going that way. It's really good. Great stuff. Well, it's a privilege to talk to you yeah. today on your birthday, John. Thank you for your service right. to uh, to the world and to New Zealand, and um, enjoy the rest of your birthday. Thank you very much indeed, Jesse. John Beechang sounding pretty good, eh? At 100, served in World War II as a Royal Air Force bomber, command pilot. Incredible to think of a 21 year old going through that.